0: Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who have chiseled good looks in their joinery.
1: Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 391 for June 19th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about Mark's rusty planes milling and drying live oak, and fixing a blued gouge. And we want to thank some folks who helped us out over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. We've got James Wallison, Luke Pewterbowl. That's awesome. Jeff Johnson, uh, Justin Hayes, Andrew Reuter, Bill Berg, Josh Mandel, Daniel Zanko, and Brian Egan. Thank you so much for helping us out, folks. We really appreciate the support. And if you want to help out too, you can go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and that's where you find all the information about things you get in return for helping us out. Uh, it's a great relationship. It's reciprocated and we appreciate it. So thank you, everybody. And I think it's time to get to what's on the bench. And you know what? I haven't done a whole lot of woodworking because I've been focusing on a guild Upgrade to the website, so that's time-consuming. It's kind of a project. It just doesn't involve wood. Um, so John so Funk
2: time-consuming,
1: super time-consuming. So John Funk has been uh, busting his butt for like the last few weeks. It's just you guys know how it is with with websites. It's just uh, it's never just one or two things. You just flip a switch and it's done. It's it's always like everything's a debacle. So hopefully things are broken. Yeah, that's really what that's what this morning has been all about is finding everything that's broken. <laughs> so it is but, live but I don't understand if you've got people that do this work
3: for you Mark mm-hmm. um, what's what's your problem are you just like eating bonbons on the couch or something
1: uh, I'm actually uh, there he goes he's breaking up <laughs> so so Shannon has a very Skypey you know robot-y connection here in uh, in Maine Robot I guess Shannon. we may have to kick that's him off that's just my show. voice yeah he's actually changed for the better I think <laughs> 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 um so yeah I think I got the gist of what you asked. Um, I'm actually uh, I'm John's towel boy in this endeavor. So nice. yeah when he needs something done I go do it or things he knows I can actually do to save time so he could focus on the deeper development stuff that's you know I, so I help him out. I'm I'm, I'm kind of his lovely assistant. It's what it comes down to. Nice, yeah. Nice. So, um, it is up, and we are just kind of keeping you know low key about it. We're not making any big announcements. Just want to see people use it, make some purchases, and, and see how things go. Um, but it's looking good. I think it's going to be a whole lot more functional for people, and a, and a lot more uh, fun to look at. Make it a better experience to to utilize the site. So. Looking forward to that, but I got to get back on these chairs, guys, because I got five chairs sitting here and no one else is going to build them while I'm doing other things, unfortunately. So I have got I've got no choice. I need to get the damn things done. Because dude, look at the time frame. Uh Matt, I don't know if you've been looking at the calendar. Oh, oh, it's been it's been chasing me. Okay, because we're getting <laughs> awfully close to having our first <laughs> guild project like concurrent crossover where oh, one, yes. one is still going while the other starts which is like unheard of in the guild, but it certainly is a possibility this time. Oh, with two people,
2: you kind of, it's have, not as it's not scary as, <laughs> as if it was overlapping with the one with instructor. myself.
1: Yeah, that would, that be, would be terrible. <laughs> that would be a nightmare, quite frankly. So yeah. So uh, Matt,
3: you guys are crossing the streams. I think that's bad yeah, news. You never want to cross the streams.
1: Uh, so that's really about <laughs> it for me. Um, speaking of this high boy, I actually don't know where you're at with this. Last I saw you had a couple of boards selected, but uh, Dude,
2: it was more than a couple of boards. Yeah. Like, I'm starting with probably, I'm going to say 250 board feet. Whoa. Or even more than like that, easily. Jeez. Probably somewhere around there. I think the cherry that I pulled for the primary wood, I pulled about 100 and I think it was 120 or 100 and somewhere between 120 and 150 board feet of that cherry because it's one log. So I got the, all the slices from that log for that, from that can. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, i just pull them all out and i probably end up using i don't know almost all of them but i have like five more boards that aren't touched yet
1: okay
2: so i, I have those like i haven't uh, done the selection on the drawer fronts yet for sure i'll do that later after the case is built we'll, we'll talk about that at the in the drawer video but like the case the case components and then like this project takes a lot of secondary material yeah all those all those dang drawers it's there's so much secondary material stuff. another hundred board feet of hard maple for secondary material material for this thing, and it's just like a whole stack of wood in my shop. I got it all laid out. I get this shooting. Now I got to just like go up there and start chopping stuff up and breaking it down and rough milling it because it's just the pile of boards in my shop. I can't do anything. <laughs> can't move. <laughs> and I, I mentioned this in the in the in the guild video about the lumber selection. I'm like, if you're not filming your own project and you have the space, do this part outside <laughs> yeah. because. If you're like in a like two car garage shop like me, you don't have room to, like lay all your boards out and like look at them all nice all at once. So there's a pro tip: do it outside. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> nice. That's it. Right on. So, yeah. I like it. Good I'm, deal. About it. I'm know. excited to see that come together. It's gonna be pretty sweet. I'm really looking forward to it. I am I'm gonna making some cabriole legs pretty soon here. Probably tomorrow. Making some making some legs. Legging legs. it up. Nice. Did, did,
3: did you say what is your primary wood? What species are you going with?
2: I am going with cherry, Minnesota-grown
1: nice. cherry. Ooh. The only cherry for me. Nothing but the best. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, man. I can't wait to right see it. Right on. You. Shannon, what about you?
3: Well, I'm in Maine. I'm at the Maine house, as people like to make fun of me. I'm um, I, I, not normally here in June, so uh, to those people that live in Maine year-round, how do you deal with the mosquitoes, man? They are ridiculous. Like, I was out for a walk with a dog, and it took my hat. Like took the hat and ran away with it. And mosquitoes are ridiculous up here in June. <laughs> I hear it's I hear it's especially bad this year because it's been so wet. But, man, it's in a garage. And I have closed the, the garage door to try to keep the mosquitoes at bay. But it's, like, n- turns into suddenly 88 degrees and 112% humidity as the fog rolls in. So mm-hmm. I've been I've been sweating sweating but i baby. The workbench uh before we started recording i drilled the last dog hole so my left arm is a little numb right now i've i've bored uh what 30 some three quarter inch holes with a bracing bit fortunately it's in pine so otherwise my arm would have fallen off yeah but yeah it's uh it, it's done I, I gotta go down and film like three more clips but it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I, I like it. I, I've played around with the Nicholson style before, just like um, at the Stepping Stone Museum, obviously, I have a Rubo bench. Um, but this is the first Nicholson that i built. Super easy. Like mm-hmm. I use nothing but construction grade lumber. Um didn't bother to like straighten out the edges. You know, construction lumber has the rounded edges and everything. It's just meant to be uh, like your very first bench. If you want to get a little bit more serious than the piece of plywood on some saw horses, you could do this and build it probably in, in a weekend, maybe give yourself a week to do it. If you're not filming, it's a very different different issue. Mm-hmm. But um <laughs> it's it's rock solid. I mean when it's all put together, you can climb on top of the thing and do some bench surfing and, and it doesn't move at all. So nice. uh, I'm very happy with it. Um, I'm excited to have it up here too, because all the work I've done has just been like you know, to the poster a little rickety table or the, um, the tried and true butt clamp where you yeah. sit on the board and, and chisel it and saw it, you know, uh-huh. um, it's it's like, and I've gotten so used to working that way that I'm like totally spoiled now with dog holes and hold fasts. And there's no vices on this bench, but still, um, it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to have gotten it done. And, you know, this has been a working vacation at best. Vacation really shouldn't even be in that. I love Pretty it. Pretty much all day for <laughs> the last four days. Which is just, it's just awesome. Like, is yeah. this what your lives are like without like real jobs? No, not <laughs> at all. great. Think, man. No, I don't think Get up so. in the morning, go to
1: the <laughs> shop and build and film and then go and edit video. Oh, it's great. It is. I love and it, it is. This is all I did. It is. It, you're your own worst enemy when you go down that path. Uh, I can't complain. I'd rather do this than anything else, but uh, it's not as, as like, joyous as it seems. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you one thing before we kick you off, Shannon. Kill your Funny. <laughs> Kill your video stream. <laughs> Can you unshare your video on Skype so that you're just doing audio, and maybe that'll improve yep. your, your audio sound? This it is, the could last, be. Yeah, this is the last yeah? This last yeah. I ran a speed test down.
3: I just load this body up here, so that's probably the issue.
1: Okay, I don't know what you just said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into. Uh, I think the mosquitoes up there are actually chewing through the uh, the wires. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Um, all right, let's get into what's new. Bunch of great videos uh, came out that uh, came across our, our paths. I think if you're a woodworker and you're online, you probably saw a, a few of these that are on here, especially this one. Uh, Nick Offerman, you guys know him. Uh, he basically did a Twitter reply, sort of you know asking woodworking questions through a Twitter account, and it, you know anytime a, like a very clever witty sort of comedian does this type of thing whether it's like on a late night show or whatever it's funny but in this case he's actually answering and legitimately answering woodworking questions but uh in, in his style very unique uh delivery that he has and it's a ton of fun you got to watch it um absolute blast
3: yeah that was don't stain oak i hate stain yeah it's best answer
2: he doesn't best like stain does answer.
1: not like stain
2: no 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 favorite shape of dovetail
1: <laughs> yeah the dovetail <laughs> shape <laughs> Actually, you know, it made me realize how many times I would love to reply to someone with, that's an ignorant question. <laughs> like That takes a pretty big set to do that. You know what I mean? Like no matter what your answer is after that, you pretty much just angered the person. So <laughs> when you're Nick Offerman, I guess you could do that. Yeah, he gets on him about grammar and stuff like that, too. It's it pretty fun. Oh. Totally worth a watch, though. It was mm-hmm. definitely,
2: definitely good, especially if you are actually a woodworker, you'll appreciate it even more, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. So. so, because it was Father's Day uh, yesterday, I uh, I saw this sweet video by Bruce Ulrich that he released yesterday Father's Day. Oh. It's a really nice video of his son, Alan. I think he was either seven or eight. He was showing some interest in being on the shop and working in there. So they decided to build a little little workbench together. So it was really, it was awesome to see, like, I'm not there yet with my boys, but this, like them working together and um, Bruce showing Alan how to actually use these tools. Like he used the crosscut sled on the table saw and Bruce is behind him helping him guide it through. But it was a really cool thing to see, like that. Some people might see that as really dangerous. I don't particularly, especially where they had it set up and then, um, Alan drilling all the holes on the drill press. He was having so much fun drilling all his holes in the drill press and then blowing all the shavings away. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool thing to see, especially because I have a new Father's Day when I was watching it yesterday.
1: Yeah. Instead of spending time with your kids, you're watching videos online, right? They were sleeping. <laughs> they were asleep. Dude, I'll tell you, that's the funny thing about Father's Day and Mother's Day as well, is one of the best things you can do for a father or a mother on that day is to give them a break from their kids. <laughs> And that's that's like the guilty irony of the whole holiday. So when my son goes, Dad, it's Father's Day on Sunday. I'm going to spend all day with you. And I'm thinking to myself like every other Sunday of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind. That's that's my life. And, and it's great. I love my son. But it's hilarious that he sees it as like we're going to do something special. And it's like we're doing the same thing we do every weekend, buddy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's hilarious. So like Mother's Day, I try to give Nicole a break. I and mean, Not the whole day. We do family stuff together, but I at least give her a few hours. Not to the just, whole day. That'd be crazy. That'd that, be way too, that, that'd be too nuts. much. would <laughs> be Yeah. So good stuff. All right, so the next one here is a video by B, BFO Photo. I got the Vimeo link here. Uh, it's called Wood Swimmer, and it's a very visually stimulating video dealing with cross sections of logs and wood and just kind of, um, you just got to watch it. It's, it's amazing. It's, a, it's like Mother Nature viewed in a certain aspect that just, just immediately makes it an art form. And it sounds like an incredibly, as they describe it, a very tedious process to get this footage. Um, so definitely, it's worth a watch. Put it in HD, go full screen, and, and zone out for a couple of seconds because it's pretty awesome.
3: Nice. Watch that instead of your kids, in other words. Yep, exactly. Nice, uh Chris sent this in this is from uh James over at wood by Wright and z- <laughs> three words rocket propelled hand plane maybe that's four <laughs> words. depending on how you spell it. Just go watch this. This is like
1: yeah rocket propelled hand plane why not? I, I can't say any more. just go watch it. yeah, go look at it. Why not? Uh, all right, last one here is from al. he says uh linseed oil soaked rags catching fire. we actually I think Nicole brought this up in one of the Friday Lives a couple weeks ago. We couldn't remember where this link was, so I'm glad this was sent to us because I've been looking for it. So it's a uh, gentleman who caught a linseed oil rag fire on a security camp. So he had left for the day and you can kind of see the infrared footage on this camera that was recorded. And it was a close call. It was a lucky break if you if you see the whole video and with the damage uh, that was done. Um, but this is definitely a good shot across the bow for woodworkers and people dealing with oil finishes um to how ha- you know how to dispose of them properly. So you definitely want to check that one out.
2: I don't know how that stayed uh, so contained. I know. That's yeah, what that's I'm thinking.
1: Terrifying. Got super, super lucky. Okay, so we got a little bit of kickback here. First one is from Dan. He just wants to say, invariably. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thanks, Dan. I, I, I think I agree.
3: <laughs> uh, I agree, mm-hmm. invariably. <laughs> uh, all right. This next one's from Tomaso. He says, "I'm an engineer and a hobby woodworker, and I know, I know, and use both of them." Um, As Bob pointed out, that's Bob Claggett from last week. Mm-hmm. The huge difference, that wasn't me last week. That was Bob Claggett. That was not
1: Bob Rogers? Uh, the huge difference,
3: no, <laughs> Bob Ross. No. Okay. <laughs> the huge difference lies in parametric capability of commercial CAD software, uh, UG, to mention a few. The possibility to link dimensions and not only between them, between themselves, he's an engineer and a woodworker, not a grammarian, to incredibly <laughs> ease the Get the right proportion phase of a project. Moreover, it allows to make the design extremely flexible, being able to change the dimension and having all others updated, if properly defined. A few examples. <clears throat> Aruba workbench, you can length width and all joinery, it can be maintained while shoulder-to-shoulder lengths are updated. A simple stair-like shelf I've just completed can change the angle and the step spacing while all other proportions are maintained. Finally, all these changes to the solid model can be translated to the drawing just with a mouse click. All the dimensions updated. The disadvantages cost, depending on the software. Learning curve, even though there are plenty of tutorials for everything out there, I think they're worth a try. Greetings from Italy. Sorry. So, you don't you're you're Italian. I won't. I should make fun of your grammar.
1: Yeah, you probably had to use a translator to get that on there. Okay. All right, Shannon, uh, I might have to kick you off now <laughs> because it's oh. just it's getting pretty bad and uh it's funny how uh we get used to skype working really well and i think people listening to the show probably get used to us not having any problems like this but this is a very common podcasting issue it's just thankfully we don't have to deal with it too often um so shannon it was good talking to you buddy we're gonna let you go and we'll try to answer your questions as best we can or skip them fine whatever <laughs>
2: we'll, we'll do your lover news for you too don't worry
1: oh sweet yeah, let's yeah. do it
3: yeah Push some more teak misinformation into the market. It's good.
1: Okay. We're just going to – we'll make it up. We'll make something up for that. Okay. We'll see you later, Shannon. <laughs> see you, guys. Bye. Well, that's a bummer. I was looking forward to, to hanging out with Shannon, but uh, you know what? Quality is king, as they say. Got to ease back into him. you know? it's Yeah. Well, just a little bit. Maybe next time we'll come on for a full show. Uh, but you know what? Let's see. Where do we leave off? Okay. So it is uh, – <laughs> The lumber news segment. So let's just do it. Let's let's see what we can figure out here. Shannon's lumber industry update. All right, so we've got a question from, geez, he didn't, Shannon always does this. He never puts the person's name, so we can't give him credit. Dang it. Okay, so is it maybe a question, question for Shannon here, but no, it's for, uh, for Mark and Matt. What's the deal with teak? I've heard that you can't get real teak anymore due to its being endangered, but obviously I still see teak furniture being sold, so what are they using? What species should I look at if I'm looking to build an outdoor dining table and chairs? Thanks. All right, so teak. Everyone knows this grows in Southern California. Most people grow it in backyards. Some of it's, uh, you know, there there are legalities around this. It's not the most legal thing to do, um, but they do grow it in Southern California, and um, you can go and harvest this from anyone's backyard whenever you see it. I have no idea. I have no idea what the answer to this question is. <laughs> do you, Matt? I think, I think, Shannon has talked about this in the past
2: before Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure he says I I have no idea. I'm going to say what I think (laughs) he said at some point in his life. Like the real teak is like you can't get it anymore or like it's harder to find or it's stupid expensive or something but they're substituting some other thing that's from some other part of the world that is kind of like teak but it's not real teak. It's teakish. 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 Has teak properties. I I don't know. Hmm. So composite decking.
1: Just use that. There you go, <laughs> you know. And I, I've got. Uh, I, I think people that, like will say like Western Red Cedar, it, not an, as an alternative to teak. It's it's very different. Um, but there are certain woods like that that people like claim are are you know very good outside. But I've seen that they don't really weather that well, nearly as well as as you would think they would. I mean, they weather like any other wood. Uh, any other wood wood out there. So you, I think if you're looking for something really high quality. You're definitely going to have to go to that next level, but I don't really. I've never even worked with Teak, so me neither. So we probably shouldn't have even done this, huh? Hey, it was a good attempt. It was a good excuse to play the song <laughs> and, and to make some crap up. So uh, you know, and we, to prove Shannon's value for him. That's right. You're welcome. Yeah, Shannon. he'll enjoy that for sure. He likes to be valued. Uh, okay, so voicemails here, and uh, I think one of these actually is also for Shannon. So we'll figure out what to do with that <laughs> later. Okay, first one here is from Alex. Hey, guys. My name is Alex, a long-time listener, first-time caller. I actually want to say thank you to the Harry Giggler and to the other two guys for putting on such a great show. You know, you guys definitely make sanding, showering, finishing, riding my bike – uh trying to ignore my girlfriend a lot more bearable <laughs> actually, i actually have a question for you guys i'm sure as your channels have grown people contact you in the hopes that they'll be able to get custom pieces from you guys um and i know that you guys's end game is content creation but as a young business owner and maker should i attempt to make content to boost my business or should i continue on the current path i'm on making custom pieces social media business cards and word of mouth thanks guys for everything and i look forward to more shows I would say this is kind of a gut check, right? What what do you want to get more into? I think if you keep going down the content generation path, there is a degree of that, you know, that's valuable to a business. It's con- it's what content marketing is. Uh, oddly enough though, content marketing is what we like is our business whereas if you were in like sort of a, a furniture building business where you want to sell the furniture, content marketing becomes part of your marketing strategy. Um, so it 's kind of just built into what we do and don 't don 't have to think about it too much, but I think any any company these days would be would be silly not to try to dip their toes into social content marketing of some type uh, and if you 're making it yourself, all the better there 's just really great benefits to to doing that. It makes a whole lot of sense, but you do have to make sure you stay true to your bottom line Now, think about a big company big companies generally they know what their core competency is they know what they 're there for as individuals we could change gears. I started as a furniture maker, building to try to get clients to build furniture for them, and then eventually converted to content. You're not going to find, you know, like I don't know, take it to an extreme, you're not going to really find Coca-Cola necessarily suddenly going, you know what, hey this soda thing was working out, but I'll tell you what, let's start doing YouTube videos you know what I mean like <laughs> they know what their core thing is so i think as a single individual or a very small business you can pivot and you can change and that can very well happen so if you go too far down this content thing and start finding that to be um more fun maybe or more interesting or possibly more profitable it may change the direction of your business so i think the first thing you need to do is determine what you actually want out of it because things could change before you realize what's happening. Um, but I think, it would, would be, it, you'd, I think it would be a mistake not to at least get into some content marketing to help promote your business. What do you think about that, Matt?
2: I think any modern business that wants to survive in this generation, this day and age, I mean, there is so much potential there that you didn't have 20 years ago for marketing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, you can literally, you, you're literally open to the entire world for essentially free yeah you pay you essentially pay for the generation of the content your time in this case but i mean you're not paying to post it anywhere you're not paying to post it on instagram you're not posting to pay uh not paying to post it on youtube mm-hmm. and the only thing that i can say for like i don't know like a word of caution is just be careful of like how far into it you get without understanding exactly what you want to get out of it because content generation is extremely time consuming if you want to do a good job of it And you can very easily skew too far away. So if you really wanted to focus on furniture making, you could easily skew your time away from um, that part Mm -hmm. of your business that actually generates your income for you.
1: Yeah, and you get into like stat chasing and then you have to determine if those stats and the views that you're getting, are they actually translating to sales or brand awareness? I mean there's there's a lot to it and it's a rabbit hole once you go down that. You know, the funny thing is like as an interesting aside – scrolling through Facebook the other day and I think it was Vandralist who shared this um, a video of a family and two little girls uh, mom and dad and they're opening up a can of some kind of canned fish you saw that yes oh my god that was so funny it's hilarious (laughs) it's like the stinkiest most horrible smelling thing you've ever smelled in your life enough that they just cracked the can and you could see the wife doing that (laughs) She's holding back, <laughs> throwing up, right? And it's friggin hilarious. It's one of the funniest things I've seen in a while, but it really is a genuine thing of this family just going through it, and the, the father was saying, I'm going to actually be the one to taste it." And he had to get to that point. And the video is like, it's long, you know it's, a, like, it's think, almost six minutes long. Yeah, so you're sitting through this I'll, whole thing. I was about three-quarters of the way through it before I even realized they were all wearing farmers' insurance t-shirts and the guy is a apparently some kind of insurance broker or some sort and it's a farmer's insurance you know thing like this is this guy's business so this video has nothing to do with insurance (laughs) yet it's such a brilliant (laughs) moment and it's obviously all set up but it worked and it's funny and it you know this is something that yeah maybe it won't necessarily directly translate to sales right this second but you know that it was just an interesting way to to go about it you know so you do have to sometimes think outside the box
2: when I think of like an insurance salesman that I want to deal with, he's my guy. Yeah, that's a, that's like, a guy you wouldn't mind calling, right? I wouldn't mind like – I'm in there like let's let's eat some stinky fish together or something because <laughs> like that was like – he looks like a fun dude yeah. and I would like working with him yeah, on seriously. a personal level and professional level as well I feel. <laughs> right. So yeah, let me so. get the number off his shirt or wherever he had his phone number. But the funny thing to-
1: is how great is that? That it wasn't until like about halfway through it, which you would think would be counterproductive – to an, what, what is effectively trying to be an ad, but the, but the fact that that's the way it happens means it's getting legitimate laughs, and if you don't notice, they're not hitting you in the head with it, it actually became, can be a more effective ad that way. Really interesting. So anywho, uh, I think that's about it. Let's go to Ashley's question
0: about upholstery. Hi guys, it's Ashley again. I'm the one who had the question on SketchUp last week. I'm calling because I could really use some advice, but I also wanted to hear Mark's Seinfeld impersonation again. Okay, so here it goes. What's the deal with upholstery? Go ahead, Mark. What's the deal with upholstery? Okay, so the reason I ask is I'm finally getting around to sending this green and green inspired footstool I made for a class back in February to an upholsterer. I'd love to do it myself, but I just can't seem to find any good resources on, um, to learn how, aside from just random places on YouTube. So do you guys have any suggestions on what, what are some of the, I don't know, definitive resources out there for learning upholstery techniques? And I don't know. All this has got me wondering, why is it so hard to find information on this on upholstery? I mean, as opposed to, say, finishing? I don't really know anybody who really enjoys finishing, to be honest. You when it t- comes time to covering all that wood with cloth and not shellac, um, people just seem to draw the line and say, no, I'm not going to do that. So again, what's the deal with upholstery? Are we all just okay with making uncomfortable chairs or what? <laughs> so I know I've gone on, on a little long and uh, I kind of snuck in a two-part question and I know you guys hate that. So go ahead and mock me appropriately or inappropriately. And uh, anyone who wants to troll me online, you can find me at Modest Modernist Maker on both Twitter and Instagram, and as Ashley MC on the Hand Tool School. Thanks, guys. Okay, so what what is the deal with upholstery?
1: It's actually, I think, a very good question because I've kind of observed the same thing. Like I, I've dipped my toes into upholstery and I've done a few things, and I'm a total hack at it. But if I can get a passable result, that's great most of the time if you look for upholstery videos it's typically not great it's usually like the diy perspective where someone's just kind of ripping a seat off a chair keeping the old fabric on there and just wrapping it again and and grabbing their stanley staple gun and whack 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 and then they're like look it's beautiful so i agree is it one of those industries where you know maybe it's like it's deeper and the secrets are a little bit more protected people don't want to share the information or maybe it's not not enough people that are interested in it. I don't know.
2: Shannon sent us a book on upholstery.
1: Oh, we did? Oh, yes. he's listening so, live. So, hey, he there, can still contribute. Great.
2: There is a book, apparently, which is um, Upholstery, A Complete Course by David James. Yeah, but who reads books? Uh, Shannon and old people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It um, <laughs> says, that upholstery book is considered to be the Bible.
1: Mm-hmm. So oh, there's that. But where's the video? Where's the video version? This is for old people. Okay. Where did he it's, send that to you? Is it in Skype? Uh, this is in the live chat. Oh, on uh, YouTube. Yeah. So okay. I
2: think from a Pulse perspective, like I have, I've never done it myself, but the only time I've ever seen it done is like part of another build on like a YouTube video or something mm-hmm. like probably the best one I've seen is the one that you did. For the armchair.
1: Oh, for the uh, the Morris chair, right?
2: Yeah. hmm But like, other than that, it's literally like I went down to drew fabric, got some pleather and some foam and I have a piece of plywood and a staple gun. hmm And then that's it.
1: Well, see, and that's the trap to an extent. Like, I even approach this as, well, again, it's not that difficult. Let's just do it. You know, and there are things that I've had done professionally, but I be, well, I'll be the first to admit, there's a big difference between what I do and what a professional upholsterer will do. Um, Just in terms of getting everything to look right, to get the underlayment the right shape, to get it to fold over and crease properly. But I think if you do it yourself, it gets like 75% of the way there to a passable result that most people would be okay with. And that Mm -hmm. might be one of the reasons why most of us just go, like here, I don't know, let's look at painting for instance. Uh, Do you have to be a professional painter to paint your wall? I mean, or or does the average person go, well, I can buy a roller, I can get a brush and a little tray and go buy a gallon from Home Depot and I could paint that wall and it'll probably look fine. But a professional could have done a better job, but it's something we think we can tackle ourselves. I mean, does it fall into that kind of thing?
2: Uh, You might have a good point there.
1: Maybe a lot, I don't
2: know, most upholstery, you're sitting on it. So, I don't know, you don't notice it. I mean, do you really just like, let me go pick up my cushion here out of this chair and turn it over and make sure the creases flow right around the corner nicely and yeah. that it's all consistent. No. Good enough. <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess but which which is kind of funny because you can say exactly the same thing to the work that we do. Like most people will not appreciate it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because they don't really understand or look at it or know it to that extent. So it's an interesting this is an interesting comparison to these two things.
1: It is, and and the fact that there is a segment of like crafting something, this whole upholstery thing, that is kind of absent. Outside of just the the crappy upholstery videos, there's maybe a few. I think I saw Paul Sellers' video on doing an upholstered seat. If you go to Fine Woodworking, I just did a search there, um, they've got several articles on it, like three or four articles on doing upholstery And I know I could have sworn someone, one of the big companies like uh, woodworking companies recently did an upholstery for furniture DVD. Almost positive, but I cannot remember who or where. So look for that. I mean, there's going to be resources out there. It's just you got to dig a little bit deeper and I don't think we have an answer for why this hasn't necessarily penetrated the the market the way other things have. Um, All right, who do we have next? Chris. Okay, do you know anything about wood planes? Wood planes? like current vendors of wood planes, They are made of wood. Very good. Okay, that's a good start. Uh, Chris has a question about that. Let's save that for next week. Shannon's probably more familiar with uh, vendors that are available for something like that. Okay, so if you want to send us a voicemail for a future show, you can just send us a voice memo with your phone to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And now we're going to get into our email. So Michael Ebner wrote in and he says, a question for Mark. With stage two of your shop set up, you now have your planes, chisels, etc., on the wall open and exposed to moisture and humidity that you don't have to deal with back in Arizona. So I need to know, what's your plan to prevent rust? While my shop is in a garage and I would love to have easy access to my hand tools, I keep my expensive planes in my air-conditioned basement and it's a pain in the butt going back and forth. Thanks, Michael. Okay, where, he didn't say where he's from, did he? no he did not no okay so well here's the thing the dirty little secret is that arizona and colorado are just not that different in terms of humidity and uh, what? it's sort of a misconception it was drier here this winter our first winter here it was drier here than it has been to any time i recall in arizona and arizona gets dry but it was drier here like we had trouble adjusting Now, it has picked up the humidity a little bit, but we're talking like 30%, you know, like it's topping out. And I'm sure- Pretty dry. Yeah, we'll have some days where it's, you know, going to be higher and there's probably wetter parts of of the summer season we haven't gotten to yet. So I haven't experienced those. But to my knowledge, just in general, if you look at the yearly profile of the area, um, you're not looking at a humid climate. Um, So I don't really anticipate there being many problems with my tools on the walls. If there are any problems- I don't think it's going to be enough that I have to worry about like, you know, T9 Bow Shield and like going all out to protect <laughs> these things. Probably just a coat of wax a little bit. I just reordered a can of Renaissance wax today. Um, maybe a little jojoba oil or something if I wanted to oil up my planes. But I think of. Jojoba oil? Is that like what St. Nick uses? Yeah, jojoba oil.
2: Yeah, that's what it is. And, uh, <laughs> good one, all right, Matt. Continue. Hey, hey, I, I'm, no, I, I'm doing my part to derail this conversation
1: yeah you should really be a comedy writer, I think I think that that's that's your that's your gig baby um hey, I write for wood Talk. <laughs> there you go. You write and perform <laughs> um so yeah, I think that's about all I would have to do, but I guess people in more humid climates, it might be a concern, and that's why you you know want to have these things in a cabinet, but for me again, having them on the wall accessible, nothing beats that. It looks cool if you have the the real estate to be able to utilize for that. there's nothing better than being able to turn around, grab a chisel throw it on the wall when you're done, and it helps me keep everything a lot cleaner uh, being able to do that. So
2: that's That's my thing. I'll have to learn that last part, throwing it back on the wall. Putting it back
1: when you're done? (laughs) It is, you know, it's so tempting. I think we all probably have this problem, but like I had to install a little kid swing in the basement, so I needed my drill. I've got a stud finder, a pencil, like just a couple things, a screwdriver, and I've installed it, and I walk back into the shop, and I know I have to go all the way to the other end to put two or three of those things away. So what do I do? The MFT is right there. I just throw everything on the MFT, and I'm like, I get that later. It's like it would have taken two seconds for me to put that stuff up and away, so that it's that much cleaner in the shop. But no, you know, I got other things to do.
2: <laughs> it's so lazy. Yeah, you know, same. It's the same thing with me. Like if I do something in the house with my tools, like it, it migrates to like the kitchen table, mm-hmm. and then Lindsay be like, "Get this out of here," so she puts on the kitchen counter. And then eventually she'll get sick of seeing it there. So she'll bring it and dump it down here somewhere. And then I'll eventually bring it out and dump it on my assembly table in my shop. And then from there, very unlikely I get put away. It'll probably get moved from the assembly table onto some other horizontal surface for a while. And then may- maybe I'll need it again. And then I'll just go back out to the beginning again. Yeah. <laughs> instead of actually making it back to its home.
1: <laughs> uh, totally. Uh, totally derailing this even further. So yes. let me know if your wife does this too. So the kitchen, right? It's got an island and that island gets full of crap and Nicole's favorite thing to do is this island is loaded down with jackets, it's got like loose change, it's got toys, all kinds of crap just collected from the week is sitting there and I have a tape measure sitting like somewhere amongst it and she comes in there and she's just like so fed up with this mess and she goes, when is this tape measure going back in the shop? And I'm like, what about all this other stuff? Like that's the <laughs> only thing there that, that you could possibly say is mine, <laughs> but that that's the difference maker. Let me go put that back. <laughs> so not to throw my wife under the bus, but I find that hilarious.
2: Oh, nah, not, not quite there yet. I think all yeah. the stuff is like my crap. Right. You're, you're the, the big time. kid
1: right now. So <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. The, all right. The kids anyway. don't close stuff on the counter yet. We're not, we're not quite oh, there okay. yet.
1: Yeah. You'll get there two boys. You're going to, you're going to have your hands full. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true Let's get us All back right. on track
2: I picked two emails today because I saw this one pop in And I figured it'd be a quick thing to kind of Knock off the thing here mm-hmm. So this is from Nate, he says uh, Two questions, so actually I have a few questions For email this week anyway Ooh. So let's first email from Nate uh, Two questions, what do your neighbors think of your mill And if when you do move from your current home Where would you go? Farm uh, a town like Canadian woodworker set up That's uh, Paula Miski Um Curious as I live in the Minneapolis area and I and I dream someday having a mill myself. Also, how would you move your sawmill? Right, I'm going to work backwards here. Uh, episode 3.3, we talked about how I'm going to move my sawmill and what I'm going to do if I have to move, which I plan to. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Backwards here. I am looking for somewhere with not probably a farm because fields don't really do me much good. Kind of want some wooded land. Um, so we're looking... I mean, you know, the further out you go, cheaper it gets. The more land you can get for that same amount of money. But we're also like restrained by like how far I want my wife to drive to work every day. So, kind of our radius is the same radius we are from her work right now, about uh, forty minutes by drive from Stillwater, Minnesota. So we're looking somewhere along the Saint Croix River would be nice. And again, I say these things because we are not in a financial position to do this yet. But you know, dreaming is fun. And, um, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. And the the first question I'm asking, I'm answering last. What do your neighbors think you're a mill? I think we've beaten this one to death before. Um, but if you go to my shop update from last week, my neighbors watch my videos and you'll find a comment from one of them. Nice. On that video. Sweet. So there's that. All right. Real question time. Oh yeah. Thanks, Nate. Sorry to mock you a little bit. (laughs) It's what we do. (laughs) All right, this is from Charles. He says, I can't see my mics in the way. All right, two different 200-plus-year-old live oak trees are down after a storm at two different friends' homes. Uh, Exposed surfaces look awesome on both trees. I'm thinking about trying to slab the live oak. It would be a sizable undertaking. These are some massive timbers I would have to break down into two-foot-wide manageable timbers just to start the milling process. I have a 121 cc. 121cc, yes, 121 cc's. I say go big and go home. Chainsaw mill, uh, tractor, track hoe, etc. So I have the equipment to handle these timbers. Apparently, you don't if you got to cut them down first.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> brag
2: after saying you can't do
1: something. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, that was enough snarkiness for that moment.
1: But uh, <laughs> well, Shannon's not oh. here. We got to make up for the
2: snark. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Uh, <laughs> that was the setup. Now for the question for discussion. I have read on the internet that the amount of twist and hardness of live oak limits the usefulness uh, to get usable lumber, much less build anything that lasts without the item tearing itself apart due to twisting. But most of these sites were commercial in nature. I'm not sure as a private hobbyist, the cost and time to deal with the twist and wood waste to overcome the twist after drying is a worry. Am I underestimating the amount of wood uh, twist in live oak after drying? Am I just setting myself for a great disappointment? Do you guys have experience uh, milling raw live oak or building with live oak as opposed to red or white oak? I would hate to just chop it up for firewood. Then again, I would feel even worse if I ended up with 20 board feet of wood and two train cars of wood chips and shavings to try to overcome twist. <laughs> <laughs> so i I have not milled live oak. It does not grow around here, but I have heard this before. And this is one of those things like I would love to get my hands on one of these logs just to mill it up and see what it's like. Now, there are plenty of species that have a lot of tendency to move and distort when drying. So I thought that I would at least mention that if anyone has milled live oak successfully, set uh, us some kickback so we can actually provide some real information but I thought I would speculate a little bit about what I would do to at least and try and get a good result. So with most oaks, I think I would say all oak, it's a really slow drying wood, so you need to let it dry slowly. so when i when it was milled and I set up to dry, I would try and dry it as slowly as possible and not try and accelerate that at all. So keep the airflow to a minimum just enough to re- to um, prevent any surface mo- mold surface mold from forming. And just gradually let it dry so it doesn't, you don't end up, up with, you don't end up inducing any drying stress into it, which is only compounding things. I would also use a crap ton of weight, like a lot more weight on top of it than I normally would, as much weight as you could possibly put on top of the stuff to hold it down flat to whatever foundation you're putting it on. And after all of that, hopefully it will stay flat and not move too much. But the really, nice thing about live oak is just it's really beautiful like this is why i wanted to get my hands on it because if you look at the pictures of it online it just looks like it's like no oak you've ever seen before but it's, it has a hint of oak but it's like beautiful oak i don't know how to describe it go look at a picture of it it's not but ugly. it's amazing oak. it's it's incredibly hard uh, hard hardwood to deal with and work with But well, i think just the beauty of it I think it'd be justified mm-hmm. but you know as a as, as a small producer like you don't necessarily need to worry as much as someone that's trying to produce it on a commercial scale mm. because it's just you at the end of the day so maybe you get a whole bunch of uh you know, bottle stopper
1: blanks <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's at least something <laughs> very nice alright well we are going to embark on an email extra after we're done here that's for our $4 and higher patrons over at patreon.com slash woodtalk and uh, I think today we're going to talk about food safe finishing do we need to care it's a good question I think uh, I think we'll delve into that later I was actually (laughs) going to answer the question but then realized that would be really stupid Okay, so if you want to support us, you can do that. Go to patreon.com woodtalk. You can also buy a t-shirt at the, uh, I almost said Wood Talk store, the Wood Whisperer store. That's twwstore.com and you can even leave us a review on iTunes if you wanted to. Just uh, look us up in the store, click on ratings and reviews and you can leave that review right there. And uh, Shannon's not here to do the contact info, so Matt, two weeks in a row. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, Shannon, it.
2: watch out. I'm coming for your job. Sweet. Alright, comments, questions, or top suggestions, you have several different ways to contact us. Send us a voicemail using our voice memo app at woodtalkonline at gmail.com You can use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact and leave us a comment on our website at woodtalkshow.com You can catch us on Twitter at woodtalkshow as well as on Facebook. And don't forget, this show is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. You can be cool too and support the show through Patreon at patreon.com woodtalk And don't forget to check us out individually at thewoodwissperer.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and giantbandsawmill.com. Sweet.
1: Listen to you reading
2: fast. Hey, I... (laughs) If it's something I've heard, like, numerous, numerous times... Yeah, I got you. No problem. I got it right off. I got you. Yeah, nicely (laughs) done. Something someone else wrote I'm reading for the first time,
1: no chance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. See ya.